0: What's up, everybody? This is absolutely one of my favorite podcasts to do every single year. That is the Iron Bowl preview podcast. I'm going to be joined by Zach Blackerby from Locked On Auburn to break it all down and look at the matchups on offense and defense for both teams. Also, I'll take a look at the first playoff rankings and this week's football picks. You guys know you can follow me on social media at PJordanSCC. You can find a podcast on Twitter at Talking SEC Pod. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast platforms. Remember, you can email me at jordan at gmail.com. Now let's jump in to today's show.
1: Welcome to Talking SEC. Writer, photographer, and producer Philip Jordan discusses the latest news and breaks down the biggest games with the best analysts around. Now from Southeast Alabama, a state that knows its sports, here is Philip Jordan. All right, it is one of my
0: favorite time of the year, my favorite weeks of the year. That is Iron Bowl week. And uh, joining me on the show today is Zach Blackerby, award-winning radio host and host of the Locked On Auburn podcast. And, uh, Zach, it's always good to talk to you. And uh, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Philip, man, it's been too long. I was looking. I guess I haven't been on since late May. And, uh, yeah, a lot's happened since then. So I appreciate you thinking of it.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, part of that's all me because that was when I was previewing the entire SEC, and I failed at that attempt of uh, of all the teams. I did not get through all of them, and I took a little uh, hiatus because you know, real world personal life stuff got in the way. But uh, I always got to have you on talking Auburn, and I, I joked with you off the air. This is the second year in a row we've done an Iron Bowl preview, so this is this is a annual tradition like no other, just like the Masters.
1: I love it, man. I love it. Yeah, no, there's a lot of good folks you could talk to. So I, I appreciate you calling me out. That's awesome. Thank you.
0: Oh, yeah, it's always good to have you on. And uh, yeah, man, uh, Auburn. Uh, I just got to say this: uh, this team, and I know especially for you, it's got to be uh, talking about them every single day. Auburn Tigers never lack topics to talk about.
1: Yeah, no, you're right about that. And, I mean, even even the topics, it's like it seems like there's two sides to every point when you talk about the tigers you know because i think a lot of it has to do with you know uh, i think half of the auburn fan base sees it's glass half full everything's great they've got a chance to to beat every anybody in the country you know 49 to nothing and then you got the other side that are like okay as long as gus malzahn's the head coach nothing's gonna work and you know they're just scraping by and you know a few lucky plays you know a lucky call against Arkansas, a lucky call against Ole Miss, and if the pick six doesn't happen last week against Tennessee, you know, is Auburn in a situation to win? So, I mean, you definitely, definitely have talking points when covering the Tigers, and you can kind of take a spin on it either way you want to go. It's 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 kind of fascinating. I can't imagine there's a whole lot of college teams like that uh, this season.
0: Yeah, that's it. I've heard it. Uh, said they are, uh, they can be Jack on Hyde at time. with Auburn. It's, it's always up and down, and you never know what you're going to get. You know, the writing battle for last word, I always tell people that's a great thing about covering Auburn. I, I, I go into every week with mystery because I can say what I think is going to happen, but that usually is not the case. And uh, there, But it is, it is a lot of fun with this team. And uh, like I said, you always got something cool to talk about. And talking about the Tennessee game going into it, one, I'm always thrilled to see auburn and tennessee on the field against each other because it's one of those matchups we rarely get to see of course we weren't going to get this this year but with the additional two games tennessee was one of them for auburn so it like it's great to see these two programs play each other used to play all the time but auburn kind of got off to a slow start now and got down 10 to 0 but after the first quarter i think they kind of got their rhythm and their pacing back do you think their slow start this past saturday was a lot to do with you're looking at a team that just hadn't played in almost three weeks
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly three weeks. They played LSU Halloween, and then they didn't play again until November 21st. So, I mean, that's that's tough for anybody. And especially kind of in the middle there, you don't really know who was affected by COVID. You don't know whose practice time was taken away. You do know the whole team didn't practice for a few days, kind of right in the middle of it. So that's a big deal. And also, you know, you spend half of that time thinking you're going to play Mississippi State, and then that doesn't happen. Um, so I, I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it for sure. And then something that a lot of my listeners on Locked On Auburn, they reached out and said over the course of, uh, of the week was, hey, Gus Malzahn's always super conservative uh, the, the week before the Iron Bowl. Now, granted, it's normally against a Sanford or an Alabama A&M or, you know, kind of some cupcake school, but... Um, fortunately, Tennessee has not had the season that I think a lot of us thought they were going to have going into this twenty twenty season. So I think it was kind of they kind of allowed them to one have a slow start and survive at, at home because they were not able to do that a few years ago when they played uh, Jeremy Pruitt's squad. But also, I think it allowed them. I mean, you think about it; they didn't really do anything complex on either side of the football. Uh, a lot of people really critical of the run defense. I mean, great every time he touched the ball, he got seven yards. It was crazy. Yeah, I mean, it would be third and 20 yards and they run a draw and mm-hmm. he did get it. I've never seen, again, a still defense like that, but they ran a lot of base stuff. They didn't really come out of nickel. They didn't really blitz a whole lot, nothing elaborate. They just kind of banded up and played base defense. And on offense, you see um lose Tank Bixby early. DJ Williams was fine. I think he had, what, 11 carries for 66 yards, I think. John Shivers did fine, and then everybody else just kind of did their job. And fortunately, they were able to find Anthony Schwartz for a deep touchdown. Um, and, you know, I think that was probably the play of the game that a lot of people forget about because of Smoke Monday's Big Six. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they just didn't do a whole lot of special things because I don't think they tried to. And uh, I think that's kind of why I think they're more concerned about the Iron Bowl. Malzahn knows where his bread and butter is. He knows he's got to beat Alabama. I don't think he's figured out he's got to beat Georgia yet, but he knows he's got to beat Alabama.
0: Yeah, you got, you got to figure out that Georgia game. That's been the, the bug of, <laughs> for uh, for Auburn. I mean, dating back to Tommy Tuberville, even Gene Chisner had issues uh-huh. there. And then, like I said, uh, Tuberville, especially beating them in Georgia, that's always been a big issue for them. And I, I'm just going to say this. I don't know what Tennessee was doing throwing the ball when they got down there, when, before the Smoke Monday interception. Look, I, I'm sure I have had so many Tennessee people unsubscribe to me this season and before the season because I was not a buyer in the hop of Tennessee. And, uh, but I was like, yeah. ah, that that was classic Tennessee, I guess, this year, with Garantano and that offense. Uh, yeah, you're running the ball straight down the field, but yeah, let's throw it. Let's throw it. That's not been working for us, uh, but let's do that. Man, but, your uh,
1: prediction of Tennessee was a lot closer to mine. I, I <laughs> thought they were going to be it, man. I thought they had a chance to to push Georgia or Florida for the East. I thought they were going to be in on it. Uh, yeah, they have not been. <laughs> The offensive line, I don't understand why it's bad. I mean, it's still with four- and five-star guys, really, really highly-touted high school recruits, and their experience, it's not like they're all freshmen up there. I, I don't really understand why they haven't been good this year, but they're not. In fact, they're really, really bad. And so, um, yeah, no, you uh, you got that prediction way closer than I did.
0: Well, mine centered around Jerry Garantano. I, I was not a buyer that he had turned the corner because yeah. I knew – because when you looked at last year of Tennessee, those, that – Winning streak at the end of the season, they they didn't beat anybody really any good. And the first, now I will admit, the first two weeks of the season when they started two and zero, and then the first half of Georgia was like, "Ooh, I might have to eat some crow this season." But uh, it kind of <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it it turned the other direction. Uh, now when we go into the Iron ball I mean, look, we know Auburn's a big okay. underdog in this game, and I I don't think. Alabama wins this game by 24 points. I, I'm not buying that one bit. But uh, for you, just, you know, overall, when you hear Iron Bowl, just what comes to mind for you?
1: Ah, uh, man, a lot of really cool memories, a lot of heartbreak. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously the kick six comes up first. Um, you think about Brandon Cox, you know, holding up all of his fingers when he's, you know, getting the victory formation, you know, some of those iconic moments. But listen, I mean, we talked before last year's Iron Bowl, and last year's Iron Bowl – Maybe one of the—it's probably the best college football game I've ever watched. I mean, just as far as the back and forth, and what was on the line, the emotional—you know—back and forth, and kind of what it meant to the Auburn family. They really needed that. You know, I think a lot of people, as soon as that was over, they immediately thought about Rod Bramlett. And so I, I think, I think that was really, really cool. Auburn, Auburn really needed that. So there's a there's so much that goes into this game, and it's just. Yeah. You know, I, I love the fact that it's just days after Thanksgiving and growing up and thanks, uh, for Thanksgiving, we always go up to, uh, to Trustville just outside of Birmingham. And a lot of my family were, they were Alabama folks and a lot of my family is about half and half with Auburn and Alabama. And you know, it's just, you can't really replace that. There's nothing else really like that, that back and forth and talking about it and the confidence that everybody had. Um, there's really nothing else like it and um yeah i mean the iron bowl is uh it's way 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 more than a football robbery for sure
0: yeah it is it's, it's all year long you hear about it and yeah you know, and i agree with you last year's game and i i said this to somebody and they just looked at me like i was i completely lost my mind i said last year's iron bowl was a better overall football game than the 2013 game and they are like, are you crazy? I'm like, look, 13 has got the ending down. That is the greatest ending to mm-hmm. every game. But like you said, it was a back-and-forth game. Because I think a lot of people forget from 13, Auburn was down 21-7. to seven. They had to come back in that game. And it wasn't the ebb and flow, you know, back-and-forth like that game was. I mean, and I'm not taking away from that, but I just thought, yeah, I agree 100% with you. On that one, that was just such a back-and-forth game. And looking at this one, I mean, unfortunately, this is – In Tuscaloosa, you know, if you're looking at it from the Auburn side of things, and obviously Gus Malzahn, he's 0-4 in Tuscaloosa, and it's kind of another part of this going on the road. Uh, We all have seen it, and it's going to be thrown out there. The numbers, the stats are going to be, you know, documented, and people are going to talk about it. Bo Nix on the road is not the same quarterback he is at home.
1: You're right. Uh, Last time we saw him on the road, though, was Oxford, Mm -hmm. and that's one of the best games of his career. Now, Ole Miss, you could – Argue has the bet, uh, the worst defense in the SEC and probably a bottom five defense in the whole country. And uh, it's like, okay, obviously Alabama's given up points this year, but Alabama's defense has gotten better and better and better over the course of the last four or five weeks. I think it's a different defense on this Alabama team that they saw, you know, when, when they went against Ole Miss and, you know, they were going back and forth scoring points at will. Um, I think Auburn's in trouble on the road. I think they're gonna, um, Philip, it has a chance to be an absolute disaster. I think it has a chance for, you know, all of the, the Gus Malzon naysayers of the Auburn fan base. I think they're gonna have a field day with this one. I think it could be really, really bad. I think it's gonna look a lot like, um, the Iron Bowl in 2018. I think it'll be close in the first quarter. I think it'll be close at halftime. And then, it, I think it's going to be key to see what Auburn does in that third quarter. Can they hold on? Because if they can get within ten to five minutes left of the game and it's close, I think Alabama may be in trouble in that situation. But that third quarter, I just got a feeling the dam is going to break somewhere in that third quarter, early fourth quarter, and it's going to kind of be um, that's going to be all she wrote. Mac, Mac Jones and this uh, this Alabama offense, they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop scoring points unless Kevin Steele has this awesome defensive game plan ready to go. And um we'll have to see what he does, but I think it could be really, really bad on Saturday for Auburn.
0: Yeah, and you know, I'm with you, Matt Jones and this offense for Alabama, they've been awesome all year. And, you know, this may be a controversial statement, but I think the Alabama offense actually works better with him at quarterback than it did with Tua. And mainly because Matt Jones is not impatient. As great as Tua is, and I'm not, Tua is the more effectively gifted quarterback of the two. I'm not saying he's not, but I think a lot of times there was impatience with Tua. But with Matt Jones, he's the kind of quarterback. Yeah, he wants to take that deep play down the field, but he's also willing to drop it off to Najee Harris or any receiver. You know, he's not going to just, hey, I got to take a deep shot here. And he's very accurate with the deep ball as well. So, and we saw last year when against Auburn, I mean, I was super impressed mm-hmm. with him. Just a simple fact is. He threw two pick-sixes. Most quarterbacks in their first big-time start would fall apart at that moment, but he did and he's shown great improvement. If there is something Auburn can do here, maybe play. Or maybe you could try what you did against LSU last year, keep these receivers in front of you, do something. What In your mind, for Auburn to have a chance in this game, what did they have to do defensively?
1: Defensively. Um, Roger McCreary shut down Devontae Smith who's uh, arguably having the best career of an Auburn or an Alabama wide receiver ever. But Roger McCreary can do it. I mean, I think Auburn has done a really, really good job taking opposing top receivers out of the game. They didn't against Ole Miss. They didn't against LSU. And now this is a totally different breed when you talk about stopping this Alabama offense. But I think that's what you have to do. I think you're going to see Kevin Steele – block up the guys on the outside, Nehemiah Pritchett, Roger McCreary, and say, okay, cool, let's go 9-9 nine nine on the inside. And I'm interested to see what Alabama does as far as moving Smith around. Do they try to put him in the middle to force a matchup with a guy like Christian Tutt or, you know, drawing Smoke Monday in coverage? That's going to be fun to see, but I think the game game here – is Roger McCreary versus Devontae Smith. I mean, it's going to be so fun. I mean, you know NFL scouts are going to watch this tape over and over and over again to evaluate these two players because I think this is as top as it gets. I mean, as far as guys that Alabama has had to play, there hasn't been a guy like Roger McCreary that they've had to throw against. Roger McCreary is going to get up on the line of scrimmage and do a whole lot of bump and run. Against one of the best wide receivers in college football. And I think he's going to do it really, really, really well. Now, on the other side, I think you're going to see Pritchett play off ball eight to 10 yards off and kind of play around with that. So I think they're going to give them a lot of different looks. Um, the big thing here is, okay, if you focus on stopping the pass, you guys saw Najee Harris. And then if you focus too much on stopping Najee Harris, then Mac Jones is going to torture you. So it's just so hard. They've got so many different weapons. I think they're going to be better at stopping the run than they were last week. I know a lot. there's a lot of panic about that, but I, I think things are going to be a little bit different. I think they're going to be able to play guys a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage because I think they're going to be aggressive. I think this Auburn defense knows going into this game, if they have to win, they're going to have to turn the football over. And to do that, you've got to, um, you've got to push people to the line of scrimmage. You've got to throw off timing with Mac Jones and uh, kind of hope the ball bounces your way a few times. So I think that's the Auburn defensive game plan on Saturday.
0: So when you look on offense, and it's like, you know, we mentioned Bo Nix a few minutes ago, but, you know, you talk about the Auburn offense. The conversation does sometimes have to start with the play of Bo Nix. And I mean, my my opinion watching Auburn this year, I think early on, maybe they put too much on him. But at the same time, I don't think, you know, you obviously didn't know what you had with Tank Bixby at running back. So maybe you did want to lean on the pass game a little more. And he was hoping year two as a sophomore, you take that next step. But it does seem like in the last few weeks, uh, they have done a better job putting him in better positions to be successful. But also say with Bo Nix, he's done a better job. Also, it seems of staying in the pocket, uh, doing the right things at quarterback, not locking down on one receiver, and, uh, but you know, with Bo Nix, or what have you seen the last few weeks, and that could really help him out going into this game.
1: Yeah, I think he trusts his team more. I think he trusts the play calls more. I think he and you know, new offensive coordinator Chad Morris are kind of on the same wavelength, but. Man, the offensive line has gotten so much better. Jack Mm Bicknell Jr., the the offensive line coach that they brought in in the offseason, I mean, he has been incredible. You look at the evolution of Tayshaun Manning. I think Tayshaun Manning at left guard, I think he's the most improved player in all of the SEC. And it'd be really hard for you to change my mind on that. And then, you know, Brandon Council goes down, their best guy. Then Keandre Jones steps in and, is like, there's no drop-off there. Brodery's Hams gotten a little bit better. Alec Jackson and left tackle's been pretty bad. He's been pretty bad. But everybody else has gotten better. Nick Brahms won SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week last week. Think about that. Think about how crazy that is. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think Bicknell Jr. has done an incredible job, and I think that's helped Bo Nix a ton. He's not running for his life. I mean, the protection that he had against Georgia um, compared to what he had against you know, pretty much every team South Carolina, it's been night and day. And I don't know if they simplified things. I don't know if it just clicked for them as a unit. I don't know what exactly happened. But whatever it is from standpoint, it worked. And also, I think, uh, I think the receivers have gotten a better job. They've done a better job of getting open. I think they finally figured out how to use Schwartz um, as a receiver, not just a deep threat. I think uh, I think Seth Williams is one of the best in all of college football, and then also it's isn't it convenient? Bo Nick starts playing better when Eli Stove comes back. I mean, yeah, you talk about an upperclassman receiver that it feels like he's been at Auburn for ten years, but he plays like it. You know, when he's on the field and you target him, you get a first down. This is kind of the way it is. So. I think a lot of it is um, just the team as a whole and the coaching staff figuring out pieces. But, I mean, Bo Nix has definitely gotten better. Even the pick that he threw last week against Tennessee, the way he moved around in the pocket, he didn't bail. I think earlier in the season he would have just bailed and left the pocket. But he took three steps, repositioned himself, used his blockers, found a uh, throwing lane, and he just didn't see the guy underneath. But still just uh, a guy that has gotten so much better at climbing the pocket, staying in the pocket feeling the pocket and he will leave it when he needs to so uh, it's just experience you know I, I think uh, I think this guy is I mean he's essentially a true junior now at this point with the amount of experience that he's had and I think it's starting to all come together for him you just kind of hope that he's able to peak and use these receivers while he still has them because I don't know if he's going to have those three guys next year and that's going to be kind of a big reset for all offense but as far as the the final three games of this season I think um, I think Bo Nix can do whatever he wants
0: yeah, I do. And if he continues that, that where he's going, you know, he's, he's heading in the right direction, especially, you know, compared uh, to what it was earlier in the year. And uh, there's a lot of yeah. things we probably didn't touch on. So uh, anything about this Iron Bowl, Zach, that I, may, I haven't asked you about, we didn't touch on, that uh, sticks out to you as we close out this?
1: Uh, i think the big thing uh, when Auburn's on offense, they just got to have a long drives. They got to keep the football. I think Auburn's defense, they haven't used a whole lot of depth like they typically do. They, you know, Rodney Gardner on the defensive front usually rotates, you know, nine, ten guys. They're not doing that this year. And linebacker, they're virtually only playing two guys. They're just staying in nickel the whole game. And then uh, as far as the defensive backs go, and they're going to be running a ton on Saturday. They play like six guys. So Auburn, uh, if they're going to win this game, they got to have long, sustained drives. Tank Bixby going to play. That's a big deal. But, uh, but all in all, I think it's going to say a, a lot about this team. Um, one, because if they get blown out, how do they respond? Because normally you don't have to respond after losing an Iron Bowl. But they've got two more games left to play, including a really important one at home against the Texas A&M. So it's going to be really interesting to see how much of the you know the bag of tricks that they dump out and put on the field of Bryant-Denny and uh, how much of it they hold you know against a more winnable game against A&M next week. Um, but it'll be fun to see. It'll be fun to see. I hope it's entertaining going into the fourth quarter
0: yeah that that is my hope because it's like i said just you know as a person that's lived in this state most of my life this is this is the week <laughs> that you look forward to uh with everything going around around the iron ball even in the year that's been crazy as 2020 this is something you look forward to uh if you grew up in this state and uh and zach i just want to say i do appreciate you taking the time uh to come on come on the show and uh, if the listeners wanted to follow you online where can they find you and where can they check out locked on auburn
1: yeah, I'm on Twitter at Z Blackerby, and then you can just search Locked on Auburn wherever. It's at Locked on Auburn on, on Twitter, and if you want to follow us on Instagram, it's at Auburn Podcast. But, yeah, just search Locked on Auburn wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll find us there. I appreciate it.
0: All right, sounds good, Zach. And, uh, anyways, like I said, I do appreciate the time. I uh, wish you, uh, you and your family a very happy Thanksgiving, and I uh, look forward to talking to you again sometime down the road.
1: Sounds great, man. Happy Thanksgiving.
0: And thanks again to Zach Blackerby from Auburn for coming on today's show. Always fun talking Auburn football with Zach. A great analysis there and uh, his takes on this weekend's Iron Bowl between Alabama and Auburn. And as I said in the open, I always look forward to this podcast previewing the Iron Bowl every single year. But I'll tell you what, another thing I look forward to is the first class football rankings. And last night on Tuesday, this podcast releasing early on Wednesday morning, The first playoff rankings were released. No real surprises here in the top four. You got Alabama at number one, Notre Dame at number two, Clemson at three, Ohio State at four. No brainer, no shock. Alabama at number one, Notre Dame at number two. Look, they've got the best win of anybody this year in college football with their win over Clemson. You put Clemson at three over Ohio State, who's at number four, who's only played four games. And I kind of, I do wonder if Ohio State had dominated against Indiana. Of course, they were up 35-7. to Then they let Indiana come back, and they went 42-35 to the Ohio State. But maybe they had stayed on that track after going up 35-7 to and just dominated the game. And the fact is, Clemson didn't play this past weekend because their game was canceled or postponed or whatever against Florida State. And look, Dabo would get it. And uh, I'm a big fan of Dabo Sweeney. But he just needs to move on from the Florida State thing. It's starting to really put a bad look on him just a constant talking about it and your feelings and all that stuff it just hasn't been a, a good look that you keep harping on it so you know kind of let that go Dabo, uh, and everything will be okay but you, yeah you got Ohio State four you got Clemson three and an uh, Notre Dame and Clemson's gonna be interesting if they both do continue winning in play show the ACC, champ- ACC championship game and then Clemson wins that one you have Texas A&M and Florida at five and six Tays uh, AM, no shocker. Maybe they're looking okay, they beat Florida head to head. Look, all Florida has to do is win out. You beat Alabama SEC Championship, you're in. So if you're looking at that, see what A and M ahead of you, I wouldn't worry about it because you win SEC championship game, you beat Alabama, you're in. So there, there's no nothing nothing to worry there. Of course, Cincinnati, first group of five team in here, you see them at seven. At 8-0, so maybe if some stuff happened to go their way, maybe they could get in. I don't think they should. I'm just sorry, you just don't play the same schedule or opponents that these other teams are playing in the ACC, the SEC, and the Big and the Big Ten. That's just that's just my take on it. It's even not the quality of the Big 12 and probably the Pac-12 too as well. Another SEC team got Georgia at five and two at nine. I think they're benefiting from the fact they are in the SEC if georgia was not an sec team i don't think they'd be ranked as high with just with those two losses uh, oklahoma they are the highest ranked team out of the big 12. byu at 14 and 9 and 0 maybe getting a little bit disrespect here i know they have not played a lot of great teams and i'm not saying they should be really close to the top six or seven here but top 10 i mean i think they should be there i mean they're dominating they're winning all their games uh, kind of surprised kind of a little disrespect there for BYU I think Uh, Auburn is the next SEC team in at 22 of course they're 5-2 playing Alabama this week so that's kind of just kind of an overlook of where everybody's at in the playoff rankings the initial rankings and Notre Dame playing North Carolina this week which you never know what's going to happen when those two get together and then, of course uh, you got Clemson and like I said recap at 3 Ohio State at 4 Alabama at number 1 and it should be very very interesting how this thing shakes out from here the rest of the season. All right, now let's jump into the picks for this weekend. Before we do that, some news from the SEC earlier on in the week. The SEC is moving some games. Arkansas, due to COVID issues, will not be able to play this Saturday. They were scheduled to play against Missouri. So now Missouri will play Vanderbilt. This is a game that's being rescheduled back from October 17th. I believe they were going to play on the 12th. But now with this opening, the SEC is going to move that game up and play here. And, of course, that means Tennessee, who is scheduled to play Vanderbilt, will not play this weekend. Look for December 19th. Yes, that's the day the SEC championship game. But if there's teams they know are not going to be in, obviously, in Atlanta, playing for the championship for the SEC, you will probably see a lot of games that are needing to be rescheduled to play on that day. So kind of keep an eye on that. So, tennessee's off this week vandy missouri will be playing now we look at this week's games you we got kentucky at number six florida 11 a.m kickoff florida is a 23 and a half point favorite of course last week kentucky was a 31 point underdog to alabama i think florida covers this uh, kentucky's just an undermanned team really right now going into this matchup too Florida doesn't have as good as a defense Alabama, obviously, so Kentucky will probably see some opportunities to maybe put up some points here. But I do feel like Florida will win this game big. Kyle Trask have a big game, and Kyle Pitts, that All-American, all-world tight end that Florida possesses will be back as well. So I'm sure he'll want to make some big plays, I'll remind everybody who he is a little bit. So I do take Florida big in this one. Vanderbilt at Missouri just told you about that game being rescheduled. Vanderbilt is actually a one-point favorite here. This is another 11 a.m. Central kickoff. Of course, Vanderbilt is 0-7 on the year. Missouri is 3-3. I've been impressed with what Missouri's done so far this year. They beat LSU earlier in the year. They've got wins over Kentucky, over South Carolina. They look like they're heading in a good direction with Eli Drinkwitz. But you know what? I'm going to take a risk here. I'm picking Vanderbilt. I think Vanderbilt gets a win. I think Vanderbilt will win. I have actually liked what I've seen out of this team and Ken Seals, the quarterback the last two weeks against Kentucky and against Florida. They have shown some good things. Missouri is a team. It's not impossible for them to beat Missouri. So yeah, I am going to go out on them here. Vanderbilt gets a win this Saturday and they will beat Missouri. Uh, number 22, Auburn, the iron bowl at five and two at number one, Alabama, Alabama is a 24 and a half point favorite here. This will be on CBS at two thirty. look, I was on WDHN this past week talking about it. You heard me talk about it with Zach. Uh, I have a little bit of optimism for for the game, but I will say this. I do not think Auburn's beating Alabama. I do think Auburn's going to make this game interesting. I do believe it gets into the fourth quarter, but I do believe Alabama pulls away and wins this game 41-31. to But I do believe Auburn will find some plays offensively, just defensively. They're just not going to be able to stop this Alabama offense. Now we look at the egg ball, and I'm really disappointed. SEC did not put this on Thursday night. I always enjoy the egg ball on Thanksgiving night. Along, have a, my TV maybe on the NFL game, and then have my iPad or my computer on this game. or vice versa, either way. But a uh, Mississippi State at Ole Miss. Mississippi State's two and five. Ole Miss is three and four. This is a three o'clock kickoff. This is going to be on the SEC network. Ole Miss is a nine and a half point favorite. Mississippi State played really well. As an undermanned team last week against Georgia, losing 31-24. to 24. Will Rogers played really, really well. The best performance, really, from Mississippi State since the opener against LSU. But I like Ole Miss here. I think they are the better team. Lane Kiffin's going to want to make a statement in the first uh, rivalry game in Bar with the coach. Or Mike Leach is as well. But I just, I just like Ole Miss here. I don't think they win. With the nine and a half, I think it does go under that. I think Ole Miss probably wins this game by six or seven points. Uh, LSU at three and three at number five, Texas A&M, who's five and one on the year. A&M hasn't played in a few weeks because due to COVID and not being able to, to play some games here. Uh, this is a clock on ESPN. A&M is a 14-point favorite. LSU played really well against Arkansas. Maybe their best game, one of their best games of the year. They really controlled last scrimmage. They're not going to be able to do that against Texas a and M. I I like Texas a to win this game. The 14 points, I'm not sure. Maybe by 10, they pull away late. I do think LSU can keep this close. Look, LSU's got talent. We know that. It's just young talent and experienced talent right now. But I do think they can keep this game close throughout. But A&M will pull away at the end. Then finally, to close out the SEC slate, number nine, Georgia at five and two at South Carolina's two and six. I've said it, said it on the podcast earlier in the week when I, was, I had Brandon Eisenman on here with me we recapped last weekend's games. I feel like South Carolina has checked out. They're not going to win this game. Georgia's a 21-and-a-half point favorite. I think Georgia's going to blow them out. I'm really intrigued to see what JT Daniels does in his second start, if he can continue on that momentum and that play he had against Mississippi State. Georgia's going to win big here, and uh, like I said, I just South Carolina has checked out on the season so far, in my opinion. Uh, just a couple of quick other college games I'm going to do, and I'm actually going to pick four NFL games here at the end just for fun. You know, Let me know if y'all like hearing other picks as well just to kind of close out the podcast. But in college, I do like Notre Dame over North Carolina and some other another game, which is your Friday games. I like Texas to beat Iowa State. In the NFL Thursday night, you have the Ravens and the Steelers not going to pick all NFL games. i got four of them here real quickly. Pittsburgh is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. The Ravens have had some COVID issues this week with running backs. I don't like where the Ravens are going with their offense, how this team looks. They're just not as good as they were last year. The Steelers are really, really playing well right now. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Steelers to go to 11-0 and and beat the Ravens on Thanksgiving night. Then a couple games on Sundays: Titans at Colts. Both teams are 7-3. Colts just won this matchup a couple weeks ago on a Thursday night. So the Colts right now hold the tiebreaker in the AFC South for the lead. The Colts are a 3.5-point favorite here. I am actually going to pick the Titans to win this game, though, uh, by three points. Chiefs at 9-1 at the Buccaneers, 7-4. Uh, Kansas City, they are three-and-a-half-point favorite here Kansas City. That was a fun game to watch between them and the Raiders. and The Raiders beat them earlier. The That's the only loss the Chiefs have this season. The Buccaneers are coming off another fourth loss. Uh, bad way to end there. Tom Brady throwing the interception. Couldn't get it done there at the end of the game. Brady did not look good at times against the Rams. But you know what? I can't pick against Brady to lose two in a row. I think he'll figure out a way him and the Buccaneers will get it done. I think they'll upset Kansas City on Sunday. Then you'll have the Bears at the Packers. Bears are 5-5. Five and five. Every time the Bears were like 5-1, and 4-1, and one. they were playing really well, but offensively they're just not good. The Packers, three, Lost a close uh, game, fumble there. And overtime set up the game and a field goal for the Colts. Aaron Rodgers, Packers, get right. They will take care of the Bears. Now, the Packers are five-and-a-half point favorite here. I think the Packers actually win this game by 10 points. And that is going to do it for this edition of Talking SEC. Once again, thanks to Zach Blackerby for being on the show. Once again, always great to have him on to talk all things Auburn football and SEC football overall. So, uh, go check out Locked on Auburn. You will not be disappointed in that podcast. Now, next week, I am aiming at three podcasts next week. On Monday I'm going to record an interview, but this won't drop to Tuesday. With Matt Lowe will be returning to the show, Lindy Sports Writer and Editor. Also, CBS Sports Lines Alan Bell will be on with we'll talk some college football and kind of mix and you might hear a little NFL talk between me and him, but I get Alan Bell's take on all things going to college football in the SEC. The second College football rankings will come out, so probably get Alan's thoughts on that as well. And I'm working on the third guest for next week, which will probably be a Friday podcast to close out, close out of the week. So maybe rest of the year, uh, trying to try it out, was doing two, throwing three. But the midweek podcast will be kind of a little bit different than the beginning of the week. So the first two the beginning of the week, at the end of the week, those will be SEC-centric 100% shows, Maybe do something called Weird Wednesdays or something here on the show. Just see yeah, how you guys like that. Just, you know, SEC talk in there, but we'll throw in some other interesting stuff on the midweek show. Uh, you can follow me on social media at PJordanNCC. Of course, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or any of your other favorite podcast platforms. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and review. Really means a lot if you do that. If you leave a review, I will read it on a future edition of the show. Uh, you always can email me at sportstalkphilipjordan at com And uh, please, if you are in the southeast Alabama area or the panhandle of Florida, please check out my high school football podcast I do for the radio people, the Wiregrass High School Football Report. Uh, football still going on to Alabama High School wise playoffs, and Wiregrass included I have a couple teams still playing going into semifinals this upcoming Friday. So uh, if you are in the area and you want to check that out, please do so. I really would appreciate it hope everybody has a great thanksgiving uh, enjoy your time with your family and friends a lot of food a lot of football family friends all that good stuff so hope you enjoy that and a big shout out to all of our first responders our police officers our military our firefighters everybody uh, in health care everything because of course covid the numbers have went up so you know uh Please keep all those people in your in your prayers, and of course the uh, healthcare workers that are there on the front lines, being there, lending support uh, and you know care to those people uh, dealing with not just COVID but a bunch of uh, you know all other stuff, illnesses, and hospitals and stuff like that. Because remember, there's some of those people in healthcare they will not be able to be with their families on Thanksgiving. Same thing goes with police officers. You know, there's firefighters, military, all those people. Remember, remember that. Uh, When you're with your families on Thanksgiving, that there are people out there uh, protecting us, serving us and all that good stuff and uh, sacrificing that time, with their families uh, to be that for us. Anyways, guys, hope you have a great rest of the week. Once again, happy Thanksgiving this Thursday. And uh, until next time. Bye bye.
1: Thank you for listening to Talkin' SEC. Follow Philip on social media at P. Jordan SEC and the show at Talkin' SEC Pod. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time when we're Talkin' SEC.